SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Apologies for no money web this evening due to technical difficulties. We couldn't get you the program. Apologies for that. But you're listening to SAFM Sports Wrap. John Kerrick is my name in for Brad Brown this evening. And we start with the big sports news stories that have been happening through the day. The PSL promotion playoff race is ongoing. It's still wide open. All three teams have registered three points after two rounds. Tomorrow, Black Leopards travel to the Val Tech Stadium to battle fellow national first division side Jomo Cosmos. Leopards currently Second in the mini league log, and uh, Cosmos are yet to defeat Zeka Marks charges this season. Marks admits that that gives them the edge. You know, because because this changes, it's, you know, it's it's a it's a one-off. You know, this once we play Cosmos now, it's done. There's no other second opportunity. It could change the dynamics. You know, it gives us a bit of the edge, but I don't think you must read too much into that. Jomo Sono never backs from a fight, and he believes that his side is ready for Black Leopards. Have we taken the same chances against Leopards? Would have been a different story. We missed a lot of chances against Leopards. Hopefully that this is our lucky ground. We will, our luck will stay here until Wednesday when we finish with Leopards. It's going to be a difficult game. They are the best team in the country for now. Uh, they beat Chiefs, they, you know. So we're not playing against a, a weak team, but we'll give them a run for their money. Good news for West Ham fans. The Hammers will be playing in the Europa League next season after topping England's fair play rankings. England finished second in UEFA's fair play table, earning an extra spot in the first qualifying round of next season's Europa League. That place goes to the team that tops the Premier League's fair fair play rankings, West Ham. Everton and Burnley were also in the mix to qualify. Trevor Bayliss has been appointed as the first Australian to coach England. The 52-year-old New South Wales coach succeeds Peter Moores, whose second spell ended in a sacking in early May. Bayliss led Sri Lanka from 2007 to 2011, and he took temporary charge of Australia for their T20 series in South Africa last year and coached the Kolkata Knight Riders in the IPL. To Rugby News, junior Springbok coach Darby Turon has made four changes to his squad for the World Rugby Under-20 Championships in Italy next month. 28-man squad includes 16 forwards and 12 backs and has six players who featured in last year's tournament in New Zealand. The box opened their campaign against Italy on the 2nd of June. We work very, very hard with this group of players to go and be successful. I think we've got a well-balanced group. And I must say, the guys have worked really, really hard. I mean, uh, we've came back from a successful tour to Argentina. And uh, we learned a lot, and uh, especially in combinations and, and, and so forth. So uh, I think that at the moment, the guys are, are fit enough. Uh, they are battle-hardened, and uh, they're motivated to go out there and to make our country proud. Lions hooker Robbie Kutsia has been banned for three matches after being found guilty of foul play. A Sanzar judicial hearing found Kutsia guilty of a tip tackle in the 49th minute of the match between the Cheetahs and the Lions at the Free State Stadium in Bloemfontein last Saturday. And Giro news quickly, the 174-kilometer 16 stage of the Giro d'Italia. Mikel Landamiana won it for the Astana Pro team. He was 38 seconds ahead of Steven Kreisweig, uh, along with Alberto Contador, finished third. Alberto Contador leads now by four minutes over Lando who moved up to second place Fabio Aru had an indifferent day he started off well but then he fell back towards the end he's now in third place with Andre Amador of the Movistar team 5 minutes and 48 seconds back and a quick cricket update for you Pakistan scored 375 for 3 in their 50 overs against Zimbabwe in the first one international big score from Shoaib Malik who scored 112 football news coming up in just a second we chat with Bafana Bafana coach Tabo Sanong SAFM Sports Wrap. 
You're with SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Now, disappointment in footballing nations again as Bafana Bafana lost out in the quarterfinals of the Kasafa Cup. We're joined by Bafana assistant coach Tabo Sanong. Tabo, thanks very much for joining us. What's the mood like in the camp now? I guess you guys can't be all that happy either. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, we just finished training. Uh, the mood is still positive uh, from the boys because obviously. If uh, you all know that we're still looking forward to uh, the last two matches, which is the plate final, and uh, we'll be playing against Malawi. So we're looking forward to that match and get a positive result because we still believe and stick to our objective, which is to identify players that can be fast-tracked into the team that will be part of AFCON qualifiers. And hopefully we can identify three, four players that can assist the team and strengthen the team going forward. Tabo, what message do you have for disappointed football fans? Yeah, no, of course, uh, there's more positives uh, in everything that we're doing. Of course, we would have loved to get a positive result. Uh, if they did watch the match, they could see that uh, we were superior physically, tactically in the match. We created more chances than the opposition, and uh, the game was decided on penalties. Uh, which is uh, something that was, of course, beyond our control. You need, you need luck in penalties. And that's all that I can say to the fans, that they, we're sorry that they are disappointed, but they shouldn't be discouraged because we're going to source some promising talent out of this tournament and take them and frustrate them in the senior team that will be playing in the Afghan qualifiers. Okay, so so this this match was used by the coaching staff, Sheikh Mashaba as well, as a way to find new talent. You're blooding and and discovering new people that that might very well be wearing the, for lack of a better word, the A team Bafana kit. Of course, this is the objective of the tournament itself. Kosafa tournament is about uh, uh, developing players, giving them enough exposure just to make sure that the standard of football in the southern region is improving. And uh, we also used it as an opportunity and a platform to reward players that were doing well in their respective club, NFD, and then, of course, uh, PSL. And we're happy with what we saw. Mm -hmm. And uh, we believe that there's some players that can actually be given a chance at a higher level and strengthen our team. But also, this was used as a platform to fast-track the development of our players from junior teams. We have the captain of the under-20 here, the team. We have the goalkeeper of the under-17 national team. And it gives them the necessary experience that they need uh, to, to, uh, to, to fast-track them and to be part of Bafana Bafana. Uh, let's, let's talk about the, your opposition as, the, as they're coming up. Uh, it must be worry, though, that you're not scoring goals. Is that something that you're working on over the, next couple, or over the last couple of days? Yeah, of course, and uh, this is the mindset that we shift in, you know, to from our players and, of course, our football people. It is the responsibility of the entire team to score goals. Mm. It's not the responsibility of our strikers, and we've been encouraging that to our boys to create chances, try to score goals. Uh, let it not be the responsibilities of strikers alone. The job of strikers in modern football is to shift defenders out of their area of operation is to create spaces and is to create goals as well. But midfielders must take shots. That is what we like in uh, our midfielders in South Africa. Defenders must come to party and compete aerially and be influential in set place. This is what is required and uh, this is what we are fixing going forward in order to get positive results in the next matches. 
it's it's not easy. I guess the the legs are all tired. Uh, it's it must be very difficult for you, especially as a coach, to try and raise them up now that they've they've lost this match. How do you get the boys to to go out there and continue fighting? Yeah, but uh, if they still focus on the objective, the objective is to give them uh, uh, caps, and uh, when you get caps, you get uh, exposure, you get experience, you mature, and uh, through caps, you get to be graduated to the next level. So it's all about taking every match seriously with the intention of winning it and playing to the best of your ability. Mm. So the boys are still positive with the objective going forward. The boys are still very, very motivated because they know that there's still a carrot to cat going forward. Everybody wants to be part of the team that will play AFCON. Everybody wants to be the team that will play AFCON qualifiers and World Cup qualifiers. But you can only raise your hand in such tournaments, you know. Let's talk about the news coming out today. Uh, Sheikh Mashaba, and unfortunately we weren't able to speak to him, but Sheikh Mashaba extremely angry with Roger Desar, Ajax Cape Town coach, with Desar claiming that his players always get overlooked. Do you guys have a comment on that, please? Yeah, no, it's just unfortunate that I haven't uh, heard or not seen those news uh, about uh, Ajax players, but uh, of course uh, all I'm in control of it is what is going on in the camp now. Mm -hmm in terms of training, team building, and uh, preparing for the match against Malawi tomorrow. Okay, we'll have to get hold of Sheikhs and find out, and Roger Desai and find out what's happening there. Uh, a big match against Malawi. To, what, are you, <laughs> what, what is the strategy? Ball in the back of the net as much as you can. Yeah, not an easy match, of course, uh, and uh, it's going to be very, very tough again. Uh, we forget about the friendly game that we played, like, we played against them four days ago. We have to take it seriously and go there with a positive intention of getting a positive result. It won't be easy, but uh, if we offer maximum concentration, if the boys exert themselves fully, and we'll hope that we can get a positive result so that we can be part of the uh, the, the played cup final going forward. Then we'll go back home, having players that have played three matches in a tournament, and that is enough to be evaluated and assessed as a player if you are ready to play at the highest level. Internationally. SAFM Sports Wrap. Let's go to Roland Garros now, get the latest from the French Open. Chris Bowers joins us on the line. Chris, Kevin Anderson started his match today. Looks like a good warm up he got. Yeah, I mean, I was impressed with Anderson. I mean, he, the, the bare facts of a deep Tim Smith's X64, 6462. But what I liked about this was the way he was just looking so comfortable from the back of the court. And in many ways, it was his baseline game rather than his big serve that really saw him through. He looked comfortable. I mean, I'm not sure how much higher he can get. He's a 15th seed here. I would love him to get back to the fourth round um, where he was last year. But the fact is, he's looking like somebody who really belongs in the world's top 20. And uh, on the big points, especially a number of break points in the second set, he just looked more solid than Smitek. Rafael Nadal also out on court today. How's, he, how's his body holding up? Um, well, his body seems to be holding up fine. I mean, you know, he's not had a great warm-up um, to the French Open, but this is a guy who has only lost one match here in the main draw since he started coming here. You know, his first tournament was 2005, 10 years ago, and he actually won it. So the only match he's lost was the fourth round in 2009 against Robin Sirdling. 
therefore, when he gets here, you can just see the confidence getting into his strokes. He had a slightly rough start against the 18-year-old French wildcard, Contact Alice. But, you know, he got into his stride, and towards the end, he was hitting some of these bullets that uh, have seen him to the nine titles he's won so far. So, you know, it wasn't a, a start that makes you say, oh, yeah, he's, he's definitely headed for a tenth title. But it was a, a start that suggests this guy is not finished yet, and you're writing off at your peril. See one of the Williams sisters on court at the moment against an unpronounceable Ilavakova. What's happening there? Slavachkova. Slavachkova. Uh, there we go. <laughs> There you go. She's, um, she's, Serena Williams is going very well. She's broken early in the match, leading three love. But the news in the last hour is that we've lost one top ten player, the, run, uh, the runner-up at Wimbledon last year, semi-finalist here, Eugenie Bouchard. She's gone out, beaten 6-4, uh, 6-4 six, four, six, four by Christina Mladenovic of France. We could lose another top ten player, the men's ten seed, Grigor Dimitrov, because he's uh, two sets of love down against Jack Sock. Um, an American whose uh, only success in Grand Slam tennis has been in uh, winning the uh, doubles at Wimbledon last year with uh, Vasek Pospisil. So um, it could be that Dimitrov's going out, and uh, certainly Eugenie Bouchard has definitely gone out. So uh, those, those, those are the stories, if you like, um, because all the big names are through, including Novak Djokovic. Uh, yeah, uh, let's talk about what's happening behind the scenes. Uh, are the French coming out on force? What's the weather like, those kind of things? Um, the weather has been okay. It's rather dark today, to be honest. It's a heavy cloud cover, but no rain so far. Um, we've had threats of showers, but they haven't actually happened yet. Been a bit windy at times as well. Um, the biggest off-course story was the fact that the fan got on on Sunday mm. onto the uh, main court to ask for a selfie with Roger Federer. Now you could say, "Oh, that's nice. It's very sweet," and it's quite nice to see that a tournament doesn't get too hot under the collar. But actually, the reaction. Um, has been such that uh, I suspect the uh, the French Tennis Federation will be beating up its security behind the scenes because uh, it, it, its official reaction was a sort of typical French shrugging of the shoulders. But I think people started to realise that this is a city where four months ago a lot of people were killed as a result of uh, a terrorist attack on the Charlie Hebdo magazine. And uh, while that cannot be equated with a, uh, a teenager running on asking for a selfie with Roger Federer, the question is how did he get on in the first place, especially we had somebody carrying a flare onto the uh, main court in uh, 2013 during the final. And Federer himself, when he was playing the final in 2009, um, had somebody running onto the court as well. So, you know, they just got to watch this a little bit here. You don't want to get so over the top that it becomes a fortress. But you've also got to make sure, especially in the light of, uh, it's just 22 years since Monica Sellers was stabbed, mm. you know, we mustn't forget the fact that they need to be a bit vigilant here. Chris Bowers live from Paris. You're with SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Chris caught up with Kevin Anderson, and this is what Kevin had to say. Kevin, congratulations. Some big break points that you saved in the second set, which were probably quite crucial. Yeah, very crucial. Um, probably played some really good points, actually, in those uh, break points. Uh, I think he had 10 of them, and I don't, I mean, I pretty much uh, came up with 10 really good points. Uh, um, shots and uh, points throughout so that was uh, a key part of the match especially in that second set being 4-3 left 40 down and then getting back and getting that break to go 5-4 and then serving out 6-4 I think um, put, put, put me in a really good position in that match Even though in the early stages it wasn't so much your big serve it was more the, the way you were solid off the baseline moving well and getting good depth that seemed to be the key uh, it was. Uh, I feel pleased getting that first match uh, under my belt. I was a little, um, a little nervous going out. I've, I've been in Paris for a while, been pretty 
Anti to play, uh, and then also getting the late start on Tuesday. Um, so those first few games, it took me a little while to find uh, my rhythm a little bit. Um, and even in the second set, I felt uh, just trying to uh, trying to find my range a bit, and you know really pulled it out with those break points. And then I felt once I got into the third as well, um, it was uh, you know much more free flowing for me. Do you not so much think of playing on clay these days, rather than just take it in your stride? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I've always said I really enjoy playing on, on the surface. I feel like I've had some good results in the past, um, and it's a surface that really suits uh, suits many aspects of my game. Um, uh, you know, at this tournament, it's you know I feel quite comfortable. I feel um, you know my mind's in clay court mode. If if you will, it doesn't change too much from other surfaces. Really, I mean, uh, what I'm trying to do out there, the kind of points I'm trying to play, you know, remains very similar. Whether it's you know, grass, hard court, or clay courts, yeah. Uh, the movement is different, but that's sort of something you're not thinking about. That's what you spend time, uh, you know, the last several weeks throughout the clay court season, just feeling uh, comfortable with uh, with that movement. And just a word about Jensen Liu in the next round. What, what do you make of that as a second round match? Yeah, he's a really t- a tricky opponent. I mean, it, I think he's a great player. Um, you know, hits the ball really well, returns very well. Um, you know, played him earlier this year. Uh, very different conditions than what we'll have here, but uh, he's uh, you know he's a good ball striker. I'm gonna have to you know play my game, try to get the ball up on him. Um, but uh, you know, as I was just saying earlier, with uh, just really focusing on my game and what I'm trying to uh, accomplish out there. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're with SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Let's talk women's football now. And Banyana Banyana going to the weekend's second leg of the Olympic qualifier against Gabon with a small advantage, 3-2. They were giving a bit of fright in the first leg. Let's find out a little bit more from Bafana Bafana coach Vera Powell joins us on the line. Vera, thanks for joining us. A bit of a fright you got at the start of the match. To Talk us through it. Um... Well, the, the the first two attacks were okay. Um, we were actually very threatening, but because of uh, well, a wrong back pass from our central defender to our goalkeeper, um, they could inter- intercept that ball, and our goalkeeper made a foul. So we were actually lucky that our two defenders reacted immediately, so that he, the, our goalkeeper, was not the last defender and did not get a red card. Um, but it was a it was a penalty kick. It was a fair uh, fair decision of the referee. Now, you do have that advantage, and I guess the, the big advantage, you've got an, an away goal advantage as well. That must be huge for you. Are you feeling confident? Mm-hmm. Um, the game is very, very difficult. Uh, scoring three goals is, of course, very good in an mm. away game, especially when the game is so difficult. But our problem was that we had been called um, tw- of 12 times for offside, of which the video shows that 10 times it was onside. Mm. And of those ten times, we would have been in front of the goal eight times, and then and the ninth time uh, it was a goal called off. So we are confident that we can do it here, but it is um, also crucial that um, maybe we make a video clip and help Kaf to uh, <laughs> to develop to develop. It's not. I mean, I'm sure the referee wants to do a good job, but um, at international football, when you make the game like we do. Um, well, in, in the the way that we play and, and the strength of our players is get behind the defense and uh, people need to, to, well, grow with us, let's say it like that. And uh, I'm not blaming the referee because I'm sure she did the best uh, she could, but uh, we need to make steps in this because mm-hmm. um, if we want to grow to the world stage with women's football in Africa, um, this needs to be sorted out. I didn't get to see it on TV. How strong are the Gabonese women? 
They have a few very good players. Their captain is ex- extremely good, and she deserves a, a contract abroad uh, in Europe or in USA because that's a fantastic player. They have a few decent players, but in general, we are better. We um, uh, we are the better team. We have more quality in our team. Um, we have a better understanding of the game, and our teamwork is better. So um, I, we have to do the job on, on Sunday. We must play better than we did over there. Uh, part of this is getting rid of that disappointment of failing for, to to qualify for the World Cup. Just how important is it for you to to qualify for the Olympic Games? Yeah, every time I say the, the not qualified fighting for the World Cup um, will hurt forever. And mm. um, we do not make that good by qualifying for the Olympics. That's a different tournament, a different goal, a different set. Not less important, but. The pain of the World Cup will stay us, and this is not like a revenge. It's a new tournament. We're going into it. We have to uh, we have to qualify for it, and it will be a major achievement because, um, as it looks like, if we qualify for the next rounds, we will end up playing Nigeria again. Sure. <laughs> it's the Nigerian curse. What is it with South African football having to play Nigeria? I don't know. It's also something that Kaf needs to look into because over the last 20 years, um, mm. eight uh, 18 years, uh, South Africa has played uh, Nigeria, Nigeria, both women and under 17 and under 20. So uh, it's definitely not a draw, and also that needs to be addressed if you want to grow to the world stage as um, as, uh, as a, a continent, because you need to have your best teams there. And uh, Nigeria, as we all know, although we all want to beat them, and we will be very sharp, and we do everything we can. Everybody knows that Nigeria is ranked around uh, between 25 and 30 of the FIFA World Ranking List. And um, they have 12 players in the European top leagues and in USA. So every opponent in Africa who is drawn against Nigeria has just a lesser chance than the other countries playing each other. Mm. And that is why a proper draw is necessary to grow and not just get regional playoffs and then as as a final playing South Africa against uh, Nigeria. Vera, women's football has come on in leaps and bounds over the last 10 years or so, from almost nothing to, to where you are at the moment. How are we compared to the big nations, the Germanys and the USA of the world? Um, talent-wise, we have enough here to compete at the international world, uh, world stage. And uh, again, we really, really wanted to show that this, this summer, but that is not happening. Um, the, the key thing is that in the leagues, we have 144 teams at the highest level. And that means that the talent has been spread um, mm. all over the country, uh, which immediately means that the, the, the gains of um, our national team players in, our, in their clubs, although the clubs do a tremendous job, let me, let me highlight that, um, is at a too low level if you want to compete at the international stage. So the president already said that we have to really think of what to do, and one of the options would be um, a national league um, in which the best players train and play with and against the best players. Uh, so Safa is dealing with that. Another option could be to take those best players out of the league and have them in camp. Um, and play a lot of international games and playing in a boys' league. Mm-hmm. So those are options that we are looking at if you really want to to go forward with uh, with our national team. Uh, and we do not have enough international competition at the highest level. You have to create it yourself. And, and these are options that we are talking about. 
Virapal, thanks very much for joining us. Good luck this weekend and uh, go show those governies something you. or other. Virapal, thank you. Joining us live here on SAFM Sports Wrap. SAFM Sports Wrap. Sports Wrap on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Now, former Springbok prop Osteran says that he'll be going to Japan to join the Toyota Verblitz as their forwards and scrum coach with an open mind and expecting to also learn as much as he can about Japanese rugby and the culture. It was announced this weekend that Durant would be leaving the Cheetahs to take over a two-year coaching post in Japan as the beginning phase of a relationship between the Cheetahs and the Verblitz. that will also see the two franchises involved in player swap deals. Yeah, not, not really much. I think the main thing for me is just to go in neutral and, and don't really expect uh, good or bad things. I think I have to go and go in there and learn the things from scratch and not really worry about, you know, their, their culture or whatever, you know, just uh, open your mind and be acceptable for, for whatever comes to sight. And I think that's, that, that's for me, is, 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 will be the easiest way to adapt. Uh, because normally I do struggle a bit, to, uh, you know, on tours, especially only four weeks. Now I'm going almost seven, eight months. So it will be a bit harder. But always, you know, when you go, go on a tour, you're always thinking of coming back. And it's only four weeks and you, you hate to go away from South Africa. But now, I think your mindset is, is, is a little bit different in the sense that you open your mind and, and you set yourself a target for seven, eight months. So I think hopefully that will help me to settle in. Durant said that the offer to join Verblitz did initially come as a surprise, but this presented a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him to be involved in rugby abroad, an opportunity that Durant says he didn't have in his playing days. Yeah, absolutely. When, when Dauphin Sal phoned me and, and asked me if I would be, you know, uh, considered going over, you know, I said, well, I haven't thought about it, but, but, but let's see what's, what's on the table and let's talk around it. And, uh, you know, the one thing that, out of my playing days, that if, you look, if I look back, you know, I never, never played, never went overseas and, and, and never played really in, in, in those kind of games. And, uh, you know, I was, and I thought, you know, maybe this is my chance to go over and experience that maybe as a coach. Never had the, the privilege to do it as a player, so, so I think out of that, so yeah, at the beginning it was definitely a, a bit of a shock, uh, especially with, with, with the kids, um, you know, at the stage they, the, the age they are at, at, at this moment. Um, but once myself and my wife started, started, you know, talking around it and, and making plans and stuff, everything just fell in place. And, and, and just in that sense, you know, it made, made sense for us to, to go because, as I said, Everything just worked out, you know, from from all the all the little things with the kids and you know everything that that stays behind. So everything worked out well. So so I'm happy. Having won two World Cups with the Springboks in '95 and 2007, Durant paid tribute to the fans that stood behind him during his playing and coaching days. Durant also urged Hayes and the Cheetahs detractors to get behind the team going forward under the mentorship of new coach Franco Smith. Personally, the the, the fans were always great to me and they always backed me. Um, I, I did feel sometimes as a coach, you know, there was the one percent that, that that's not always behind you, and they just want to criticise and, and and look at the dark side. Uh, for those, I really want to say, um, uh, get behind the boys, try to support them, uh, and just be there for them. It, it's like a family. Um, your kid is not always going to impress you, but but you're not going to throw him away. You're going to stand behind him, <laughs> and uh, um, so it's. Uh, I think it's and and especially for the. For the old faithful ones, um, I mean, I can't, I can't go on too too much about it. Otherwise, I'll, I'll, I'll get some tears. But um, just for them, you know, being there and always supporting and always having a kind word and always just just say, don't worry, it will, it will go, it will go better next time. Or we understand that you you struggle to keep your players 
Uh, you know, small, small little words like that means a lot, especially if you're under pressure and, and not winning games, and 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 you know you've you've, you've struggled with with injuries that that really put you down. So just uh, those small little things, you know, really helped and 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 made made uh, my life uh, a lot easier. Cheetah's director of rugby, Rory Duncan, says that Durant will have a different experience of life in Japan as compared to Bloemfontein and advised Durant to buy into the Asian culture, with Duncan being knowledgeable of conditions in Japan after having enjoyed a stint there as a player. No, look, I, I think uh, the Japan experience is a fantastic one. You know, he, he, it is a different experience of what he's, what, what he's used to now in Bloemfontein. I think the nice thing is, uh, you know, he is going over with, with, with family. Um, that obviously makes it a lot easier, and, and uh, I've already, you know, also now I've sat down at it, long, long chats about Japan. Um, I think it'll be a fantastic experience for him, and, and I think the, the, the key is, is to, to buy into the culture as quickly as possible. Duncan said that the players' exchange program would not be done with big numbers of players, but rather with one or two players from the Cheetahs going to play in Japan, and one or two players from the Blitz coming to pay for the Cheetahs in the Curry Cup or Vodacom Cup. Um, each team, each team um, in, in Japan, the top league teams generally have about five or six foreigners in their setup. Um, they're allowed to play with two on the field and, 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 and one on the bench, and obviously, but no more than two, two at a time. So, um, when we talk about play exchange, you know, we are talking about one or two players specifically. With, uh, uh, with the Blitz. Now, if we can get more, that, that'll be fantastic. But, um, you know, what we want to do is we want to start off the relationship nice and slowly. Um, Orsa's going over. We want to go over there and discuss players. I will be going over with, uh, uh, with Orsa to discuss players, um, put players on the table. And, um, you know, we want to grow into this relationship. SAFM Sports Wrap. Wish us all the luck as well. We spoke to him this weekend. It was fascinating. My first question was, Osi, can you learn to, can you speak any Japanese? And I always imagine Os being the biggest man in Japan for the two years that he's there. Although we have some South African rugby players there as well. Uh, cricket update for you. Zimbabwe are 81 for two of 17 overs, chasing Pakistan's 375 for three. They still need 294 runs with eight wickets and 33 overs remaining. Reminder, you can join us on SAFM Sports Wrap on Twitter. Uh, SAFM Sports Wrap is the handle. Thank you very much for letting me sit in, Brad Brown. I know you're listening, and if you're not, why not? Uh, my name's John Carricker. Thanks for joining us and Siobhan for producing the show, putting it all together. Talk Shop with Naledi is up after the news at 7 o'clock. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back again tomorrow afternoon.